Would you like to have access to the highest court in the universe? That's what we're going to think about in the coming series of Home Bible Study podcasts from God's Courtroom in Romans chapter 1, 5 to 11. So it's Andrew here, your host. Thank you for coming along and listening in to the Home Bible Study podcast. Uh, I trust that we will be blessed as we look at this epic and wonderful um, understanding of God's righteous and just character and what he does as found in the Roman epistle. And we're going to introduce it today. We're going to take a little bit of a look at uh, chapter 1, verse 1 to 15. And to do so, right at the beginning, I'm going to commit ourselves to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray that you would help us as we discuss and consider and enjoy your word together. We thank you for this wonderful opportunity of looking at uh, these passages of Scripture and learning about your character and about your goodness and your grace. We just commit ourselves to you in the Lord's name. Amen. Okay, turning first of all to Romans chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 1 to verse 17. Romans 1, verse 1 to verse 17. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God, with in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead jesus christ our lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations including you who are called to belong to jesus christ to all in rome who are beloved by god and called to be saints grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve in my spirit, in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus have far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are at Rome." For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And we know God blesses his word as we read it and ponder it together. So may the Lord bless it to us. The letter to the Romans is really a legal treatise from the pen of a great Jewish mind, but it's a lot more than that. Someone has called it the Christian Statue of Liberty. And when you begin to ask questions, how can I be forgiven by a just God? Or how can I become more holy like God? The Epistle to the Romans is the book to turn to. It's really a foundational letter in the New Testament. 
in a sense it stands alongside Paul's other uh, foundational letter which is the book of Ephesians. One focuses on the gospel, the other focuses on the church, the body of Christ. Um, the gospel we're going to find has deep roots in the Old Testament. Um, he'll link it back a lot. Uh, in fact, I think of all his writings, Paul uh, quotes the Old Testament most extensively in the Roman letter. Yet the Ephesian letter, which is dealing with the, the mystery of the church, the church, the body of Christ, there isn't the same emphasis in Old Testament teaching, um, simply because the while the Old Testament, the gospel was in the Old Testament and developed from the Old Testament into the New and in, in, in our New Dispensation. In the Ephesian letter, uh, we have the mystery of the church. And the church, the body of Christ, began at Pentecost and will conclude and uh, will be completed, maybe a better way of re uh, saying it, will be completed at the rapture when the bride of Christ will go to be with him and that is uh, the church, the body of Christ, not made up of Jew and Gentile, but brought together in one body with the same blessings. Uh, and so the middle wall is broken down in Ephesians uh, and, and the, the new entity has been formed, one new man um, that we read off in Ephesians. So, so that's a development from the basic understanding of the gospel that we're going to learn from the Roman epistle. We then look at, well, what has God brought us into in the church that is the Ephesian letter and in a sense these are perhaps the two foundational letters of Paul's teaching we could add uh, Hebrews in there but um, it's not clear that it was Paul that that wrote Hebrews uh, it has another um, emphasis as well but anyway that's enough for general background I suppose the letter divides into five main sections uh, we have Romans 1 through chapter 3 verse 20 and the focus is going to be after the introduction um, as we'll look at today the condemnation of mankind the fact that mankind does not have a righteousness of itself that men and women are not don't have an intrinsic righteousness they don't have a righteousness they don't have a, a rightness to come into God's presence on their own accord they are not right before God naturally in fact they have a bent a brokenness a twistedness that means that they go away from God that they are guilty before God will think about that it's really how we're guilty then Romans 3 verse 21 to 5 verse 11 deals with the subject not of condemnation so much as justification how can God a just God make guilty people not guilty how can he declare them not guilty how can he declare them righteous bring them into line with his righteous throne and that's the subject of justification and that's covered uh, extensively from uh, Romans 3 verse 21 but now uh, righteousness of God without the law is revealed right through to chapter 5 I take it to verse 11 justification how God can declare us righteous then chapter 5 verse 12 right through to 8 39 I suppose it deals with two topics really if we're being pedantic but it it is a section I take it more or less all on its own and that deals with the subject of of sanctification okay now that I'm declared righteous now that I'm clear from my my guilt the guilt of my sins I, I still have a nature within I still have a power that draws me downward within and how do I deal with that do I apply the law to that do I apply um, some other force to that to deal with my um, 
unholy thoughts, for instance, or my unchristlike attitudes, how can I become more like Christ? So that's dealing with the subject of sanctification, how I progressively can become more like Christ. Um, and at the end of that, we deal with briefly the subject of glorification. Uh, the end result of sanctification is that one day I'm going to be just like Christ. I, he is going to be the firstborn among many brothers and many brethren, it tells us in, in chapter 8. So condemnation, justification, sanctification. Then chapter 9, 2, 3, 11 deals with the whole subject of, of Israel's election and, and the whole subject of choice and election, the beautiful subject and God's purpose uh, and so on. And, and he takes the Jews as an example to illustrate some of the major points that, that had to be uh, developed in relation to his gospel. And then in chapter 12 to 16, he deals with what we might call practical devotion. Therefore, in light of all that we have learned in the earlier part, we are to give ourselves to the Lord. We are to offer our, 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 ourselves for his service. We are to uh, present ourselves as a as a a living sacrifice as it says in Romans chapter 12. So this first section is what we're going to focus on this time uh, and we're going to look at God's courtroom because there's legal metaphors used and, and we'll see that this idea in the background of Paul's mind is that he's bringing the whole of humanity, they're different types of people are brought before God and he's proving that each type of humanity and the whole of humanity is guilty before him. And also how God has an answer, a message to the whole of the rest of humanity. So that's going to be good enough for an introduction. So let's get into the text. I've called this uh, introductory section from chapter 1, verse 1 to 17, Paul's gospel love and Paul's gospel link. How he links to these believers and how he loves these believers and how he loves the gospel. Okay, so that will be enough for now. Let's look at section 1, verse 1 to 7. I've called this Paul's gospel-filled greeting. Paul's gospel-filled greeting. The second section I'll call God, uh, Paul's gospel-motivated longing. What did he want to do? What did he want to accomplish? And then finally, in verse 17, or 16 and 17, Goss, Paul's gospel boasting. Um, as he focuses in on the message of the gospel uh, in each of these sections. Now, if you'll have noticed in the, the letters of Paul and, and the different apostles, usually the greeting is quite short, maybe a verse or, or two. But you'll see clearly that to get to the end of the greeting, you have to get down to verse number seven to the, all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm quoting from the ESV uh, in this uh, podcast so that's interesting even of itself because we're going to see that he, he front loads a lot of really important truths into this first section and he does something that he does in pretty much all of his epistles he leaves the key at the door and so if we're to understand the Roman epistle, if we're to come in, as we use the illustration of coming into a great grand house, you, you stop and you, you just meditate a little bit on the, the, the great hallway that you're in. Uh, and you perhaps see a little foretaste of what you're going to find in the rest of the, 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 ma the manor, the stately home. 
Uh, and if you can understand and get into the atmosphere of the hallway and you see the great, maybe a great portrait up on, on the wall, a stag's head, a, the great chandelier, the beautiful oak, whatever it is, the, 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 the tapestry, the scenery, uh, whatever. That gives you a little foretaste of the rest of the book. And, and when I say Paul leaves a key at the door, it, if we're to understand any of Paul's letters, we'll find out that very early in that letter, he gives us a key to it. He gives us key to understanding it. And so if we keep that in mind, it helps us as we look at each letter. <clears throat> so here's Paul, Paul's gospel-filled greeting. He's going to inject lots of gospel truths even into this first seven verses. You notice he starts, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, a called apostle, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So he's mentioning here the fact that he's a servant, that he's a sent one, and that he's set apart, that he's separated. Um, each one of these parts is, is significant. Um, we have Paul, a servant, this is him in relation to his master the lord jesus christ he uh, then we have paul he's called a called apostle or called to be an apostle so this is god's work in his life uh, calling him for a particular task uh, and so it's not so much paul and uh, as as um, in relation to his master but paul in relation to his mission and then of course we have finally paul in relation to his message set apart for the gospel of God. His mission is his message, the gospel of God, the good news of God. This is the word that we get our word evangel from, or evangelist, or evangelism. This word, the gospel of God. So as he begins this, you'll see immediately he focuses on the gospel of God. He, he emphasizes his own apostleship, his right to speak on these issues, the fact that God has moved in his life. Um, it's, he doesn't start with the fact that he's a believer in the Lord Jesus, but that he's called, that he is a servant and these kind of things. So it is God's work in his life that has brought him to where he is for the gospel of God. Now, it's interesting. When we say we're set apart, we usually think of what we're set apart from. Um, but he was set apart for something that was far greater than when you say what he was set apart from. He was a, a Jew, a Pharisee, and all those kind of things. Um, and yet, uh, he spoke about that in another part. He said he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and was touching the law. He was blameless. He was, he was all these great things in the Jewish religion. He was doing well. And yet... He was also a sinful man. He'll tell us an injurious man, a man who was marked by insolence and, and petulance and rebellion deep in his heart. And, and so we read that in First First uh, Timothy chapter 1. But whatever he was in the past, Paul has now been set apart by God for the gospel of God. So he's going to give himself passionately and wholly to the spread off and the understanding, other people's understanding of the gospel of God. <clears throat> which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So we have the gospel of God, the source. God is the source. Then we have the scriptures. He's promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Writings, the Holy Scriptures. <clears throat> and this tells us something else that it's really important for us to get a, a hang of. And it's this, that he is 
He has a message that's to be communicated from God, but that that message has deep roots in the Old Testament. And he'll come back to this again and again. Uh, here he speaks of it as being promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He's talking about the Old Testament Scriptures. He's talking about the promises that uh, of all the nations being blessed through Abraham, no doubt, uh, in Genesis um, chapter uh, 15, and so on, 12 to 15, and so on. Um, he's talking about justification by faith, which is implied at different points. He's, he's talking about what we read of in, in Habakkuk when it says the just shall live by his faith. He's talking about references in the Old Testament that tell us that the law was not the, the end game when it comes to how someone is right with God. Because we'll see that the law was inadequate with regard to that. And so, so again and again in the Old Testament, we've got this idea of God saving people god forgiving people god justifying people and he's doing it maybe it seems obscure in the old testament but he's doing it by faith it's clear abraham believed god and god counted it to him for righteousness that's what we read in chapter 15 of genesis and so so there's this idea that this gospel finds its root very deeply in the old testament scriptures and for those who are Jews of his audience or Jewish with a Jewish background, it's important that that is true because they knew they had something from God. It's important for us to understand the deep links between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Concerning his son, so this is not so much the source of the gospel and the fact that the gospel is linked back to Old Testament scriptures, but this is the, the subject of the gospel, his son. He said, the end of verse 4, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so his son, that's God's relation to his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's our relationship to his son. But in the middle, he says something else, which is intriguing. He, he tells us a little bit more about the Lord Jesus. He says he was declared, he, he, was, he descended from David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of Holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Now there's two main thoughts here. One is <clears throat> that he's declared, he's descended from David according to the flesh. So that links us back again to Old Testament promises. To the Davidic covenant, Second Samuel chapter 7. It, it links us backwards to all those things that were happening way back when God said to David, David, one day I'm going to give you a son and he is going to rule on the th your throne forever. Uh, and so there was this promise, this royal promise that, that from his, from David's line would come the Messiah. Uh, and so again, this links us back into the Old Testament. But what about the New Testament uh, development of it? And declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of Holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. And so we go to the, the birth of Christ when he was declared, uh, he was uh, descended from David according to the flesh and then we go to the the resurrection of Christ the other side as it were of his earthly pathway and he is declared to be not just son of David but son of God this is not his only his humanity but his deity is being emphasized and so we have the one beautiful person the Lord Jesus and he is truly man and he is verily God and he's being declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by 
his resurrection from the dead. And, and so the resurrection is the proof to the, the spirit world, if you like, that he is who he claims to be. He is the son of God in power. And we have him resurrected and risen in power. <clears throat> and so the, all this is, he says, is this is Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus. That emphasizes his humanity again. He's the one who came, the one who was given that earthly name, Jesus. Christ our Lord emphasizes his exaltation, his ex exalted position, and the fact that we have uh, an obligation to bow to him. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship. So Paul's now fitting himself into this picture. Um, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And so what he's doing, at his, I take it here, is, is among other things, he's first of all showing that he links into this whole program of God. We, we have received grace. Well, you know, it's only God's favour that has done it. It's only God's grace that has done it. And apostleship. It's not just the fact that he was forgiven, but he was also commissioned uh, at his conversion uh, by God to communicate the message to others. And he has an apostleship. Now, we thought a little bit about uh, apostleship and the fact that the apostles, that Paul was the last of the apostles, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, tells us that. He was last of all. I was the last of the apostles, he says. Um, but also the fact that the apostles were linked particularly to the foundation of the church. And we have the apostolic teachings in our New Testament. And it's not like we can just have more apostles and add on other words and so on uh, just <clears throat> so it's important we understand that as well including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ so um, he received grace and apostleship to bring about obedience of faith for the sake of God's or Christ's name among all the nations okay so so Paul has an authority now and he has an authority over Gentiles and the Gentile nations because he has a message from God that is to be responded to in faith and to be bowed to. There's obedience. The obedience of faith is to be seen. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he gets to the end. Now he has built the bridge between himself and these people. He's also emphasised his authority, but he's done so to show that in such a way he doesn't just claim authority. He's linked himself into the great purpose of God through the gospel as we have seen in this earlier section so we now he weaves the Roman Christians into the paragraph he calls them beloved of God or loved ones of God uh, called to be saints we thought uh, a little bit about that the fact that um, because they you know God loves the world for instance John three sixteen, for God so loved the world but that the expression of that love in a practical sense in this New Testament sense of, of salvation and coming into the good of the love needs a response on the side of the recipient. And so these these um, Roman Christians, they were loved of God in a special way because they had responded to his initial entreaty of love as given to them in the gospel. Okay, so that is what we might term God, uh, Paul's gospel-filled greeting. Let's move on to God's uh, Paul's gospel-motivated longing. Verse 8 to verse 15. You'll notice in this section that Paul is going to deal with 
the fact that he would have loved to have been with these believers before now. He's in his third missionary journey. He's going to now. He's come quite close to them, and he's now going to turn around and go away from them again. He's going to go back to Jerusalem, and they might be thinking, "This this man Paul, he doesn't really want to. He doesn't really want to uh, be." know us or whatever he doesn't seem to have any interest in us and they could have false teachers perhaps saying oh you see Paul he's he's not interested in you folks or whatever um, but go to chapter 15 if you want to look at this in a little bit more detail Paul had to go back to Jerusalem with a gift and so on but he still has plans and still intends to come to them now he didn't realize he was going to come in chains because God was going to overrule that that would be the way he got there he had every intention of going there and then passing through to to, to Spain. He wanted to he reach out into new territories uh, that hadn't been covered before. Uh, and so in saying all this, he, he, he exposes his heart to these Christians so that they understand him. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Wherever he goes, and Paul went in many places, they, they were speaking about the believers in Rome. Now, Paul hadn't planted the local churches in Rome. Uh, and it seems there seems to be little evidence that any of the other apostles had planted them. Rather, uh, we have a situation where, where, where they were indigenously planted, it would seem. There were groups of believers who got saved, perhaps as a result of the, the preaching in Acts chapter 2. They went back to Rome uh, and, and they, they had got saved. So we don't really know where the, the direct uh, first Christians in Rome came from other than they accepted the, the true gospel. Um, your faith is proclaimed throughout all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So Paul, Paul saying, now listen, I, I, want to, I want you to understand something. I have met you, but I am praying for you. And at my prayers, at my regular prayer times, when I'm thinking, I'm thinking about you believers in Rome. I have not forgotten about you. And his heart was so in the gospel that even believers that he had never met, he was praying for them and he was caring about them. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So he, he knows that he can come and bring through the gospel, he can bring some some spiritual gift. And yet the fact is he, he is writing to them a spiritual gift. This book of the Romans was is one of the most profound spiritual gifts that anyone has ever given to another person. Um, because it it's the gospel and the gospel establishes we read in chapter 16 it settles and strengthens it and firms up our faith in the lord jesus and so the more we understand the gospel as as told to us in the roman letter the more we understand um god the more we understand and, and are settled in our convictions about god and his word and so paul has given not only a gift to the roman christians initially but a gift to the world a gift to um, Christians in general when he gave us the Roman letter. Um, yet we see how humble he is, and, and yet how true it is, that we may be mutually encourage, might mutually encourage each other's faith, both yours and mine. So he, as he's coming to Rome, he, yes, he's going to be able to give them something, like a spiritual gift in that sense, through his ministry, his service. But also, there's another sense in which both both sides are going to benefit, and this is so true. If you're involved in any in any length with with spiritual 
gift. We, you realize that often, whether it be visitation or it be communicating the gospel or, or, or ministry, uh, Bible teaching, whatever form of ministry that it takes, um, you find out very soon that, that you receive back from those that you're ministering to. God has seen to it that that is the way it works. Uh, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that I often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. Um, in order that I may reach some harvest among you as well as the rest of the Gentiles. Now he'll tell us in chapter 15 why he was prevented. He had other, he had other calls of duty as it were and other places that had to be reached. But uh, and, and I really want to come to you in Rome. Uh, he, he's like I'm praying about it. I'm, I'm asking the Lord to open this door. Uh, this is a big thing. In his, his, he's praying constantly for the, the Lord to open this door and he says because i'm under obligation I, I i'm a debtor both to the greeks and to the barbarians both to the wise and to the foolish the full spectrum of of, of humankind whether it be the cultured greeks or the uh, less cultured barbarians whether it be the wise those who are very bright and knowledgeable uh, the kind of athens people that he spoke to in Acts 17 or or to the foolish perhaps some of those in corinth that that, that listen to the message thereafter. But whoever it is, I'm under obligation. I feel a debt that I have to discharge. God has given me this great debt and, and, and I feel and I'm aware of, of my uh, desire to reach people with the gospel. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And so this is an obligation, but there's also an idea of I'm eager to preach um, it's something that, that comes out of my heart as well. He's, he's spoken about serving in his spirit in verse number nine in the gospel of his son. And that idea of service is really the thought of, of priestly service. It's like the Old Testament word for priest. Uh, it's a thought of a worshipful service. His heart was bubbling up with how wonderful the Lord was as he was communicating the gospel to people. So this is Paul's gospel motivated longing. So we've thought of his 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 gospel-filled greeting and his gospel-motivated longing. Finally, I just want to think for a minute or two about Paul's gospel boasting. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, he says. You know, there's Rome with all its power, the, the mightiest, uh, might, mightiest empire that had ever existed on planet Earth to that point. Uh, perhaps the mightiest empire ever to exist in ancient times and even in modern times in many ways the power they had over the people the crushing grip of rome their their famous armies that crushed anything that came in their way and rome everything about it symbolized that might was right everything about it symbolized that this is you know uh, we are the ones in control we are the powerful people and then Paul says, listen, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. This is why I want to bring it to Rome. Because it's the power, not of Rome, it's the power not to subjugate people against their will. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The Jew first and also to the Greek. And so this is wonderful. The power of God is brought before us. And then he says, now listen, God's power is acted is active in line with his righteous character god god's attributes can't be separated out he doesn't exercise his power in a cruel way or in an way because god is righteous he is just 
And, and so here we have it. The power of God is set alongside the righteousness of God. Why? Because God is righteous and God will only act and use his power in line with his just and righteous character. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So he's going to say, now listen, God's righteousness is revealed in this. Now, is this God's attribute of righteousness? I I don't really think so as we're going to go on into the into the um the rest of the letter. It'll be clear that yes, God's righteous character, his righteousness, is seen stamped all over the Roman letter, but also a righteousness from God is available. And that's what's going to be unpacked. It's the righteousness of God revealed. I take it it's revealed um to faith and it's received by faith now we don't have time to unpack uh, why i think that's the understanding of this uh, section it's something that's revealed been revealed to him he's understood it to be the case that that this revelation uh, is of god's righteous character and god's righteous gift that he wants to give gift of righteousness he wants to give to people but also that um, it's revealed, it's received by faith. That is how you enter into the good of it. So faith is is essentially important. And he says that's in line with the Old Testament. The righteous shall live by faith. In other words, it's a by faith righteousness. And, and that's how you get life. That's how you get salvation. Now that's a little bit complex at the end. But don't, know, don't worry, that is all going to be unpacked in future weeks as we consider this lovely letter no so in conclusion if paul thinks this message is so special what should our attitude to the gospel be god has saved us and this salvation is an eternal salvation um it's a salvation to everyone who believes um, we have been saved. We were talking about this uh, this idea of having been saved from the penalty of our sin. The moment we trusted Christ, all our sins were gone. All the judgment that will come uh, as a result of our sins was gone. And we look to Christ as our substitute, the one who died for us. We are being saved from the very power of sin. This will be Romans chapter 68 where he deals with sanctification. This is, this is the presence power of Christ. That's not only the thought that Christ died for us and died for our sins died for us but that we died with christ and, and we have separated from sin as a master which is a, a phenomenal truth that's brought out in romans chapter 6 so we are have been saved we are being saved and we will be saved in the future from the very presence of sin uh, saved from um, yes, saved from coming wrath, for instance, it tells us in, in, in Romans chapter 5 um, and verse 10, I think it is. Uh, but also saved from its very presence. The presence of sin eternally will be something that we'll be saved from. So salvation, I take it, has a slightly wider thought than justification, which is the more legal side of it, as we'll see and unpack in future studies. I trust that you go away and... Uh, think about these things. Try to read through Romans chapter 1 to chapter 5, 11 before the next study. Um, highlight any questions, any thoughts in the margin of your Bible. Try to get the larger divisions of the of the book in your mind um, and give yourself to the Roman letter. It will give you a great solidity in your walk with the Lord. So, And if Paul thought it was special, what do we think of the gospel? 
Do we try to reach others with it? Is it something we want to do? Is it something we would like to be better at? May the Lord help us each to be more like our Lord Jesus. Um, more like uh, the Apostle Paul who followed the Lord in this. He had a desire to communicate the word of God to others. You remember the Lord Jesus said in the upper room, he was speaking to the Father and, and he says, I, I have given them your word. May the Lord help us to do the same. Thank you for listening to this first podcast.